Hey, this is Matt Pandola with your Monday Motivation. And I'm Jake Parker, and we are here every week to give you a dose of motivation to help you through your week with your goals, whatever they may be. Including, but not limited, to Spartan races. Matt, the Spartan races were just in our backyard. They were just up in Squaw near Lake Tahoe this weekend. Did you uh, get a chance to check that out? I signed up a little too late for the division that I wanted to be in, so I just decided I'll sign up earlier next year. That was a little procrastination on my part. It, It went quick, though. The slots went quick this year. But we did have a client of ours, Joey Gilbert, Mr. Joey Gilbert. He did go up there and he competed, and that was, I think, pretty cold up there. Obviously, it was snowing a bit. It was cold here in Reno, and Squaw Valley, that's a mountain. That's cold enough. Yeah, I swear Joe DeSeno runs that. He probably has some kind of arrangement with the Spartan gods to make this as cold and miserable as possible. As difficult as you can. Yeah, because the other days leading up to that, this was kind of the worst weather day that we had during that race. And so I'm sure it challenged some people and there's some frozen fingers up there. I'm Hopefully sure. everybody was okay because if you caught our last podcast with Billy Haug, Billy the Kid Haug, Billy ended up going, was it Iceland yeah. or Greenland? No, geez, one of those lands. The the cold one, but not the frozen one. I think Greenland's the frozen one. But yeah, Billy ended up with a little bit of hypothermia because he ran a surprise Spartan sprint and it got cold. Yeah, dealing with the cold, that's partially mental. Obviously, there are some physical things that go on there that you have to deal with and be smart about. If you wear a hat and you keep that heat trapped on the top of your head instead of letting it escape, that can help to warm your digits more so even than gloves do. In some cases, I think layers around your center and wearing a good hat, that's even more valuable than gloves. But with Spartan Race, it's hard to wear gloves since you have to grip on the things. It's an obstacle course. It's not straight running. You're doing stuff with your hands. I wear one of those skull cap looking deals that help to keep my head warm. And that helps a lot. But with my circulation issues that I have with my hands and my feet, I originally suffered in my cold weather training back in my youth in the army at Fort Knox, man. We were out there for a couple of weeks and I had a difficult time. I did get through it and we had to hike it back for about 30 miles and... I finally got through that whole process, that winter training misery, made it through the whole process, passed the test, so to speak, and then failed the medical because my fingers were actually split down the middle with each finger. That's how bad it had gotten. So it's referred to as, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Reynolds disease. And so that's what I have now where there's sort of a permanent capillary bed shutdown. And so my body, in order to survive out there, it stopped bringing blood as much to my digits and kept it more towards my heart and my major organs. What a doctor explained to me is that is never going to fully come back. My hands are cold even right now in the studio today just because it's a little colder outside. So for me, it makes it pretty difficult to be able to grip on to things when my hands get too cold. In fact, I can't even start my own truck in the winter if my hands get too cold. I can't start my truck because I can't grip the key. It gets that bad. So I think I'm going to have to hold out 
for some warmer weather Spartan races in the future. There will be plenty of other opportunities, but Matt, it sounds like you delivered quite well in that military test, and that is the topic of today's Monday Motivation, how and why to over-deliver. Yeah, man. I think even a better way of saying it is under-promise and over-deliver. Because the opposite is so much worse. When someone over-promises you something and they under-deliver, man, that might not end up being a big deal, but you will remember that. Like with anything in life, over-delivering will get you ahead. Won't it, Jake? Absolutely. And that can apply to any aspect of your life, your family, your friends, yourself, your own goals. Over-delivering is what will make you stand out, make you distinct from the crowd. Opportunity will meet you if you place yourself properly by over-delivering. It can be something as simple as cleaning. I can remember when I was younger, I really needed a job. And I got this job where I had to clean the bathrooms as part of my duties. And man, I scrubbed that toilet. I did the best I could to make sure that when you walked in there, everything was sparkling. It wasn't long after that that I got a promotion. The manager had noticed the bathrooms weren't just clean, but that they had been really deep cleaned. That gets noticed. And instead of staying in that job, that starting position that I was in, I got a promotion sooner. And what's ironic is the other guys that I worked with in that busboy position at the time, they were still busboys. But now I got a promotion. I was able to become a waiter and then a head waiter. That doesn't sound like much, but I'll tell you what. It provided me with the opportunity now to make a better income for myself at a young age, which made my life easier. So just by over-delivering on something as simple as scrubbing a toilet instead of just barely getting around the rim, I mean, yeah, this is gross, but I did it and I did it to the best I could and people notice. I work with a lot of young athletes and I try to give them that perspective that as much as we want to have the good things in life, we have to be willing to work for them. And the sooner that we understand that concept, the better. If I just do the bare minimum as a coach, I just give them a basic training program, there might be nothing wrong with that program in itself, but I didn't take the time to figure out the specific needs of each athlete. It's not what it could have been. It's not what it could have been, and it doesn't individualize the needs of each athlete. It does take me longer to write up programs for individuals, but because we do that, we get better success for each individual, and because each individual is doing better, then we have that group effect where the entire team is doing better. That is in part because the extra time is put in at the base level. And actually, from there, it gets easier. Just the simple concept of over-delivering can really help my young athletes understand how they can get ahead in life. Plus, it's inspiring. Take a group of coworkers, for example. It's very different from you have the one guy who's really sandbagging it, 
and that just brings the whole morale down, right? This right. is the opposite that we're talking about. And if you can do it without making everyone else feel bad for not over-delivering, you could end up inspiring the people around you, and that will especially get noticed by whether it's your superiors, maybe it's someone, a potential business partner who's going to now notice you standing out and doing something different from the rest of the crowd. That over-deliverance is what's going to inspire the people around you and make them want to work with you. I did learn about over-delivering very young because I didn't have necessarily the best attitude when I was younger. I kind of used my ADD, for instance, as an excuse. And that is just the reason why I wasn't going to be able to do well in school, for example. And I really believed that I wasn't going to be able to get good grades. I couldn't focus and concentrate. And I had an opportunity to be able to work with this doctor. He was one of the few people in my life that I would say really helped me create that pivotal point where I realized that I could do more than I was doing. And he was a perfect example of that. He was like an original Doogie Hauser. So his name is Stan Goldstein. Stan, if you're listening, I love you, bud. I'll just never forget the lessons he taught me. He had gone through high school, Harvard, medical school, all in record time. Very, very highly intelligent man. But even with that intelligence, it was all about over-delivering to him. And as a doctor, he under-promised but over-delivered. He was one of those few guys that actually spent time talking to his patients about what their options could be, about how, hey, this might be a harder road for you might take longer, but it's healthier to do rather than just going right to this surgery, for example. So he's somebody I really respected. And when I told him that I just couldn't learn the traditional way, he actually took the time to research a bit, understand how he could help me. I signed up for college, community college program in Boston, in Newton, Massachusetts, and he helped me with my homework. He mm -hmm. helped me study for tests. He took the time with me and he basically started to give me a structure to where I could now understand how I could learn this information, this material. And in doing that, for the first time, I had gotten a 4.0 by the end of that semester. I realized then and there that whatever I lacked for in quote unquote, traditional intelligence or how I was supposed to learn, I could make up for with over delivering, which is, again, just I had to work a little harder in some ways. But also, I had to realize that in doing the work with this guy, Stan, I realized that I was capable. It was going to be a greater effort for me, especially initially, to understand the material and absorb it. But I could do it. And if I just got rid of the excuses, then I was going to be able to learn whatever I wanted to learn in life. 
And of course, that's what ended up leading me into what I do now. Yeah. And that's such a good example because not only, Matt, did you help yourself by over delivering with your mind, but so did that doctor. He didn't have to do that. But that's an example of inspiring someone else to achieve more by over delivering for them. I have a story that's a little bit more self-serving. This was something I did for myself, but it's actually the story of how I got into business with you. And that is when I was 17, maybe 18, just graduated high school. I was working full-time, going to college full-time, and I knew that I couldn't keep that up forever. I needed a better job. So on my own initiative, I started researching and I ended up going with a certain personal training certification program. I had to add that workload on top of everything else that I had. I was a little bit overworked, but I knew that it was for a reason. That led me to a conversation with you. Your gym moved to the gym that I was working at. Anyway, we met. I showed you the book that I was reading and you said, that's the one that I require. So my point is just that my taking that initiative opened a door that led to a great opportunity for me. And that's something that made me stand out from the rest of my peers, my age group and people when you're in that age group, you know, young adult, 18, 19, you're going to get some heat for it because you can't have as much fun. But now A lot of those friends of mine have complimented me on the career choices that I've made, and it came from that over-delivering mindset. Rising above mediocrity, Jake. Excellent way of putting it, man. I say that purposely because even with some of my athletes that put me on this ridiculous pedestal that, honestly, I don't belong on, it isn't some sort of rocket science that I do. I do the best I can with what I'm given, but from there, it really is just that willingness to put in the extra work and not being satisfied with okay, Mm -hmm. not being satisfied with mediocrity. And I'm just going to say it. I think if you rise above mediocrity, if you just rise above what is just enough, you are going to succeed. In my industry... There's new gyms popping up all the time. Sure. And there's so much competition out there. It's crazy how many people are involved in our field compared to 15, 20 years ago when I started. Mm-hmm. But what still makes the difference is over delivering. If you're willing to do that, you're going to succeed. You're going to separate yourself from the rest. To be the best, that takes a lot of work. To be at the very top, It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of dedication. But really, when I think about how easy it is just to put in the work to rise above mediocrity, it makes it a whole lot less intimidating. Whatever you're doing, you do it to the best that you can. And sometimes that even comes into the equation of, do I have enough time to do this right? Should I put this on my plate too? Do I say yes to this right now? Because I don't want to under-deliver on anything I'm going to do. Why would I want to do something halfway? I'm going to maybe still do a project that I'm interested in, but I'm going to put it into my schedule further down the line after I have already finished a different project that I'm happy with. Now I can work towards that other project. So I think part of over-delivering is knowing how much you can accomplish at a time 
and not multitasking so many different things. Multitasking drives me nuts. I think that this day and age, the feeling is that we can multitask, but I don't think so. What the secret sauce is, do the simple things really well. Don't overload yourself. Don't try to multitask. Really actually focus on one thing at a time. Doesn't mean you can't get three or four things done in a day, but focus on one of those things at a time. We could just take something simple like the cell phones that we have in our pockets. How often are we taking those cell phones out and we're texting back, we're putting stuff up, we're actually supposed to be focused on somebody else. I was visiting a friend of mine. We met for dinner and he was on his phone so much. I finally said to him, hey man, if we need to do this at a different time. And he said, oh no, I'm good, man. And I go, well, honestly, I'm not because I feel like you're just focused on your phone. I don't feel like we're having a real conversation. Yeah. You're not really listening if you're texting or posting to Facebook or whatever. The idea of multitasking is a falsehood. We can't do it. The, the brain can't literally multitask. You can switch back and forth quickly and some people think they're good at it. But when you think you're multitasking and you're getting all of these different things done and, oh, that's going to be great. And maybe that's what you need. But from my experience, the boss doesn't remember, hey, Jake, you did a great job on these four different things. Thanks for doing all of that at once. No, the boss remembers you did a great job on this one thing, this one thing that you over delivered on. That's what is memorable. Exactly. One of my interns, she's doing a great job and I love the attitude that she brings into our culture. But honestly, I told her the thing that I really am impressed with the most, I walk into the gym and it smells like it's been cleaned. I can smell the success, if you will. It makes me happy. And I'm the boss, right? I'm the owner. She gets that. That's something so simple. But it doesn't matter if she had done four things that were just okay. It matters to me that she did that one thing really well. And I appreciate that because that means she respects my facility, our facility, I should say. She respects the presence, the culture that we want, which starts with having a nice clean gym. Then from there, I'm really happy with how she treats each athlete, how when my athlete walks into the gym, she asks him, how are you feeling today? What's going on? How is your day? When they're doing their mobility, how does that feel? Those details she's focused on with them. And because of that, the athlete feels like they're being looked after because they are. She's not focused on other things at the same time. The reason why I say that it just drives me nuts. You go into just about any operation, especially though with mom and pop operations, you walk into these places and people are supposed to be quote unquote working. They're on their phone mm -hmm. and they can't be bothered with paying attention to you. It's like they're going to make you a cup of coffee and they're going to make that coffee. They're not going to ask you how your day is. They're going to get your money. They're going to give you your coffee. They're going to do their job. They're going right. to do the basics there. Bare right? minimum. They're not concerned with you because they want to get back to texting their friend or get back to something else that, that's more concerning to them, I guess. And then they expect a good tip. Right. Tips are for overachieving. Thank you, right? You like, get your paycheck for what your job is. And I tip well, mm -hmm. but sometimes... It just turns me off so much. I'm not going to tip you. That's the wrong attitude. 
I was driving with my daughter the other day. I was doing driving. She wasn't. She's oh, good. Seven. She's seven. Yeah. She's seven. This guy was on his phone. Man, this drives me nuts, texting and driving, mm. the distracted driving. And I was honking my horn at him. He didn't even respond to me honking at him. When he was driving away, you could clearly see that he was still texting on his phone at the same time, not even looking up just absolutely irresponsible. He couldn't even register that I was honking at him because he was more concerned with getting back to somebody on his phone. That's pretty deep in it. So this is getting back to what happened with Billy Haug. If you listen to that podcast, he actually had a guy hit him on the road when he was out of his vehicle because this guy was texting and driving and Billy almost lost his leg. Listen to that podcast. It was wonderful. It is amazing where Billy has gone in his life despite the setback of almost losing his leg and still becoming an elite athlete. And his story is just inspiring. In fact, he's dedicating his exceptional intelligence to helping other people in sports nutrition And I don't think there's a better example of that, though, where we almost lost this kid to somebody with distracted driving. Because that guy thought he could multitask. Because when you're driving a vehicle, you need to over-deliver there, too. Your attention. Yeah. You owe it to everyone else on the road and, of course, yourself. You owe it to everyone to over-deliver when you're driving. Yep. Which brings me to one of my points, which is you can over-deliver for yourself That may not be so self-explanatory all the time. Maybe you need to over-deliver on your recovery. Maybe your over-deliverance could be your rest today because you need to take care more so than usual of yourself. I think it's good to just take a minute to think about where in your life are you under-delivering where you need to over-deliver? Where can you over-deliver? So Jake, just to ask you, where are you over-delivering? Where are you under-delivering? What can you work on? Well, for sure, I know where I'm under-delivering. I need to text my girlfriend back more frequently. I leave her hanging quite a lot, and I don't do it on purpose, and I honestly feel kind of bad about that. My over-deliverance, I would say, comes with uh, this podcast, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, Matt, and I cannot tell you how many of them are really, really bad. I don't like that. I'm an audiophile. I love good sound of all kinds, and I like this product to be the best that we can make it. So yes, that takes a few extra hours every week, but it's worth it to me. And I hope that it is noticeable to the listener. Well, I know it is because I've thankfully had some people that I've really been influenced by who are actually contacting me because they enjoy the podcast and they want to involve me now in their culture. I have a call tomorrow with a pretty well-known podcaster, and I'll be happy to announce that when it comes through because I will have that opportunity to have that podcaster here, which will be really exciting. But Jake, I think I have to thank you for that. You over-delivered. People are noticing. And I can't take all the credit, Matt. Obviously, you bring excellent content and you over-deliver in your prep work and what you bring to this show. And collectively, it stands out from the rest. Well, and you mentioned your girlfriend before. This, I think, is a good thing to bring up. Sometimes if it's not our style or if it's not part of our character to do something and you're not going to be passionate about it, I think that needs to be addressed 
too. My wife knows that I'm not much of a texter. I don't know. I'm not one of those people that really thinks about my phone very much. Lucky you. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not really wired that way. Pun, I guess, sort of intended. And that can be good and bad. I mean, with my wife, she knows that I'm not really much of a phone person. She doesn't get really offended when I'm not texting her back immediately or even often. But also I make sure that if anything, I will call her. I just, I like to talk, obviously. Old fashioned. Yeah, there's something better about it. And and I do text quite a lot, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so she gets that. She understands that. And even my clients, they know that they're going to text me, most likely they will not get a text back from me until it has reached that time of the day where I'm going to address my text because I don't multitask my texts either. So most likely you're going to get return emails and texts from me in the mornings. Very unlikely you're going to get something back from me after that. And because I always hold that same standard, that's what people kind of understand about me. And I'm not offending anyone by not getting back to them right away because they know that I'm busy writing up their programs, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on giving you a better product so you understand that it's probably not going to be until tomorrow that you'll get that text back from me. But if I was just constantly sending back texts, I'd be doing that all day long and getting nothing done, in my opinion. And for me, that's just not how I work. It'll affect the quality of my work. So I make that decision that I'm going to have those set parameters. And that allows me to over-deliver. Yeah, healthy boundaries, very important. I also think it's important to address you can't over-deliver on everything. You have to pick and choose what your highest priorities are going to be. Otherwise, you'll burn out. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is some people will take advantage of it when you are an over-deliverer. Some people won't care. They'll just take the extra work that you do and make the profit for themselves. I think that's another good point. If you are trying your best to over-deliver, and it's not being acknowledged, well, I think it's time to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to move on. If that's a job that you're in where you're not being appreciated, then yeah, maybe apply for a different position somewhere else where it'll get recognized. Where it'll get recognized, exactly. The lesson is not to stop doing it because it doesn't work. It just didn't work because maybe your boss doesn't care or he's not probably not a very good boss. But the point is go take that somewhere where it will lead you to success. Buy into yourself. If you know that what you're doing is right and you know that you're putting in the work, then take that chance, buy into yourself. If you move on, it's not going to be a setback for you guaranteed when you are over-delivering. It will get noticed and recognized. It will pay off eventually, but you can't necessarily stay stagnant in a position that you're not being recognized for. Now, on the other side of it, if you're under-delivering, you're doing the bare minimum, you can't expect a promotion anytime soon. You can't exactly complain when you don't have the things in life that you think that you deserve. Well, take a hard look at that. Do you really deserve those things? Have you worked for it? I feel so old in saying this, but when it comes to mediocrity and rising above mediocrity, what's around us This generation that I have been working with, I am so impressed with, but I am working with the athletes that are driven, that are passionate. 
I'm actually happy for my athletes that they get to use those tools that they've learned to succeed in their sports for life. And they kick butt when they get into their professions because they're used to over-delivering. They're used to working for it. I mean, they tell me most of their friends, most of their peers just aren't willing to work that hard. They expect things to just come to them and they're not putting in that work and they don't get why they don't have the same opportunities. And they think that these other people are just lucky. Well, they're not. Or that they have somehow been cheated because they've been passed over for opportunities. Yeah, I think, Matt, I think you're talking about Generation Z. Myself, I'm a millennial, and I know my generation gets rightfully criticized for that sometimes. But I have to thank those underachievers because they make the rest of us stand out even better. (laughs) Right. I do think that each generation has this, though. I'm sure. It's it's been dubbed like, oh, what's wrong with this generation? It was the same when I was growing up. Oh, that's so nice to hear. It's true, though. I remember simple tasks that I was doing when I was a landscaper in Arizona, and I was at the time 18 years old. And very simple, I figured out that if I just moved faster, that I was going to be able to get the jobs done quicker. And sure, then my boss would give me another lawn to mow, but... I kept my job when times got tough, when he had to go from a 20-person crew down to a skeleton crew, he kept me. That went on when I was a kid, too. So it's not just this generation. I think that it's just that now I'm old and I think, well, this generation, but really Really these kids these days. Right, these kids. But we can all do better at focusing on what's important what can you improve? What can you do to overdeliver? What is it that you're passionate about? Make sure that that's uh, your main focus in life, but still the little things, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, and hopefully you'll let us know. Send us an email about what you need to over-deliver on, or if you feel that you're not appreciated for your over-deliverance. I want to hear about that, too. Project at gmail.com. And if you want to hear some great examples of over-deliverance, you can check out our upcoming episode that'll be published in just a couple of days. The story of Matt Pendola, how he got to where he is today by not under-delivering, by not over-promising, but by over-delivering and working through the hard times with the attitude that he could still do more. And if you would all just give me a moment, I would like to thank Dr. Stan Goldstein. I was under-delivering for years. I didn't believe in myself enough. I was not putting the time into my studies. I simply gave up on it. And because Stan over-delivered, I was taught that I could over-deliver too, which eventually led me into what I do now. So with a sincere thank you, we can't do it on our own. It's always somebody there to help pick you up when you fall. That's a part of our culture. Stan, you taught me that. I'll always remember and always appreciate what you did for me. So thank you, Stan, for over-delivering. Thank you, Dr. Stan. Hope you get in touch, too. Yes, sir. And the Pandola Project is on Facebook. Give us a like there. Yeah, and start conversations with yourselves. You guys are a great community. Talk to each other. That's what our Facebook is for. And if you like the show, please consider writing a review on your podcast app, tell a friend, share it around, and help spread the word. And remember, every day, not just today, is your chance to be a better version of you. Talk to you next week.